With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Prospect Podcast here at the Hockey News. I am Ryan Kennedy. We are sponsored by Christian Hockey and going to have a bit of an NCAA theme to this Prospect Podcast because it is the season of free agency and also with the college season winding down, a lot of players' status is going to be in flux and some very exciting names there. As always, let's begin with three players that are catching my eye. And for this particular podcast, let's do three of the top free agents who have yet to be signed. Now, the gem of the class is Mark McCallis from Minnesota State. He is a big German center, very versatile, uh, has speed. He's good away from the puck. And, you know, with the Mavericks, they are obviously still alive as far as we know in terms of uh, what's going on with the Frozen Four and with tournaments. So uh, teams can't talk to him yet. Um, Also, you're going to look at his teammate Connor Mackey, uh, the defenseman from Minnesota State. He'll be a uh, highly coveted player as well. Uh, But just so we get some different teams in, uh, number two for me, uh, Jack Ashan, defenseman with the St. Cloud State Huskies. A very interesting player because you know, 10, 15 years ago, there would have been no way a team would have gone for Ashan because he's only five foot eight, but he's built like a fire hydrant, as the scouts like to say, and he's very talented, very competitive. I spoke with one NHL scout the other day who mentioned the name Brian Rafalski when talking about Jack Ashan. So obviously high praise there. Ashan also kind of interesting because for an undrafted player, he actually did play in the World Juniors for Team USA before. So he has a little bit of pedigree there. He has played against top competition. And there will be teams uh, hot on his services as well this spring. Uh, The final player I'll mention in this top three, uh, we'll go with a goaltender, John Lethamon from Michigan State. This is one of the top goalies in the NCAA this season. The Spartans really needed him to be big. um, And he delivered. He's always had the size, he's got a lot of talent, but he finally found his consistency this year with Michigan State, and that's what really has sort of turned the corner for him. So scouts are looking at him as sort of the top of the goalie class. There's a couple of other options that teams might look at. Uh, Peyton Jones from Penn State, Tommy Napier from Ohio State. So there are other options out there, but John Lethamon would be the top player in that class. So there's three to watch, and if you are interested in players like that, THN's Future Watch hitting newsstands very soon. And for those who like the college free agents, here we go. Got a whole spread there for you. Uh, Pick that up. Steven. Uh, Before you get to your next question, you mentioned something about how players that are still playing can't talk to NHL teams, correct? Correct. So... Uh, I guess, do you have any other more information on that for fans? Because a couple of fans have asked you, how does that work? So as soon as the season's over for them, then they can start talking to teams? Exactly. As soon as 
the player's NCAA career is over, then they can start talking to teams. So this is very crucial. And we've seen this a lot even with drafted players in the NHL where timing is everything. So, for example, Johnny Gaudreau with the Flames, they made sure to get him on a plane as soon as Boston College was done because they wanted to get him in for one NHL game before the season ended. Uh, So you'll often see players really sort of rush around, uh, particularly if their teams go far in the NCAA tournament and they're highly coveted guys. I remember Brock Besser with North Dakota a couple of years ago, same deal where Vancouver wanted to get him as soon as possible. And, you know, it's it's all negotiations with the actual contracts. But if you're a high-end kid, you can usually get that first year of your entry-level deal burned by your NHL club if you play one game. And obviously... You know, there are those situations where players do not want to sign with the team that drafted them, Jimmy Vesey being one of the most obvious candidates. And so you have to wait longer um, before you sign with a team if you're going to go that route. I believe August 15th is the particular date, but I'm doing that off the top of my head, so I apologize if I'm wrong. Um, So there are a lot of ins and outs there. But, yeah, your season has to be done because you can't be under contract if you're playing in the NCAA. It's very black and white right now. Um, so there is a bit of a, a dance that goes on in terms of teams waiting for players to officially be done, and then you know their uh, their family advisors suddenly become their agents, and uh, negotiations go from there. So let's get to your questions, and we're going to keep it NCAA as this is a special college podcast. Starting with Jeff Cucumber, Jeremy Swayman has been lights out this season. In Maine, could we see him becoming Tuka Rask's successor in Boston someday? I think that's the route that we're seeing here. Jeremy Swayman has certainly had a tremendous college uh, career already with the Black Bears. And, you know, he's got the size. He's got the talent. Uh, Again, a, a player who has really found his consistency as time has gone on. And, you know, when you look at the Bruins... Right now, they've got some options. Uh, Daniel Vladish having a fantastic year in the pros. But you you look at Jeremy Swayman, and I think you definitely have to put him in the mix. And luckily for the Bruins right now, Tuka Rask still playing Vesna-caliber hockey. And I believe we'll see that for the next couple of years, which is a great luxury because then you have guys like Vladish and Swayman where you can slow play them in the pro game. They can spend the time they need to with the Providence Bruins in the AHL. Or even if they have to go to the ECHL like Vladish did, it's fine because it's all about getting minutes in the crease. And if you're a goaltender, the ECHL is a great place to start off. We saw Buffalo do it with Uka Pekka in this year when he was coming off hip surgery. You just got to get those reps. So I, I think Jeremy Swimming certainly has a chance to be that successor for Tuka Rask down the road. Next question uh, from Louis Erickson is the GOAT. Is there a college free agent from the past that you really liked that didn't pan out? That's a questionable name. Uh, Louis Erickson is the GOAT. It is, although I feel that uh, based on what I see uh, from Twitter, Vancouver fans are coming around to Louis Erickson. There, there was a reason that he was brought to Vancouver. Like People kind of forget that he was actually incredible with the Sedin brothers at the World Championship of 2013. It's like, well, they showed that much chemistry. You never know. It just hasn't worked out. But. Yeah, but now he's sort of reinvented himself as like a two-way guy. And I, I think uh, I think Vancouver fans are, at least some of them are okay with it. So uh, anyways, Louie, if that is your real name, or Mr. Goat, um, I'm going to answer this in sort of a big-picture way. 
to get into the issue of college free agents because people get very excited at this time of year and you often see hockey reporters that don't really follow the college game all of a sudden get very excited about these free agents because it is a way of, you know, I mean, it is good news. Teams are vying for these players and it's a limited pool. Um, is there what one that I really like that didn't pan out? Most of them don't pan out. Um, so in that regard, I'll say Christian Hansen, because when I started following college free agents, Christian Hansen was one of the first big names. You know, he was at Notre Dame. He ended up signing in Toronto, saw some time with the Leafs. Um, but, you know, with the with most of these college free agents, they tend to be NHL, AHL tweeners. And there are exceptions, of course. You know, if you look back a little further, Tyler Bozak, for example, he turned out to be a pretty good college free agent. Now, I would say that, you know, part of the reason for him being a free agent and not drafted was, you know, he broke his leg one year um, and that cost him a lot of development time. And then he steadily got himself back up at the University of Denver and obviously ended up winning a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues after a pretty decent career beforehand in the NHL. But you look down the line and, you know, like Matt Gilroy, Casey Wellman, um, you know, there's a lot of players that get signed and there's that sort of initial buzz about them. And then it kind of wears off. So I think you have to be uh, kind of pragmatic with college free agents. I would say, you know, your best case scenarios are guys like Zach Aston Reese that signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins out of Northeastern, where, you know, he's not going to be a 35 goal scorer in the NHL, but he can be of value to your club. And you know, I know he's had some injuries this year, but I think Aston Reese has been a pretty good value guy for the Penguins. And and that's a team where you can plug guys in and they seem to be really good at finding, you know, the, the Brian Rust types where you can get them on a line with a Crosby or a Malkin and they find a role and they succeed. So in the right situation, I think college free agents can have some value, but it's important to sort of temper expectations because a lot of the times these guys that everybody was sort of frothing at the mouth over end up in the KHL in a couple of years, or they, they turn into pretty good AHL players that will help your team a little bit. So not to put a damper on the proceedings because it is college free agent season, but you need to be realistic. So that's how I would sort of answer that is most of them end up kind of disappointing. Wade Allison, remember him? For sure. Philadelphia Prospects. We do have a question about him. Mm -hmm. but, but just searching him up, if you search up Wade Allison, it says that he's a professor of physics and fellow of Kebbell College at Oxford University. So Good for Wade. It's like, I don't know if, why he wants to play in the NHL. <laughs> but uh, Anthony Louis says... Wade Allison has shown flashes of high-end skill, and he has an elite shot, but he has been hampered by injuries. Mm -hmm. Flyers fans were excited about him. He's a second-round pick. Yeah. Um, but his rights expire soon. Should we be worried that he'll walk? And what do you th and do you think he has NHL potential? I don't think he'll walk. I believe that uh, Wade Allison, uh, who plays for Western Michigan, and uh, our reader Anthony Louis is correct he has been hampered by injuries but I know that the there's certainly still interest there and I, I I don't see any reason why Wade Allison would not sign with the Flyers once his career with Western Michigan is finished 
And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, we have a question later. Actually, he's a senior, so it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that he has the talent to be an NHLer. He's always been a strong kid. Comes from a you know a small farm town, so he's farm boy strong. He's a is a good good power forward, and maybe because of all the time he's lost in the NCAA, he's got to spend a little more time in Lehigh Valley in the AHL than you might have first thought. But I love his potential. I think that when he's been healthy, he has been a big difference maker um, for that team, and uh, I, I don't see any reason why he won't uh, sign with the Flyers. Uh, as soon as his season is is finished, he's a big guy. But I guess, like, what role do you see him playing in the NHL? Well, I think ideally he's probably maybe like a middle six winger. Like you, you can put him on a scoring line for sure. Um, I, I mean, you know, is there top line potential? Maybe. I mean, power forwards take longer to develop than your average scorers. Um, but, I mean, he's got a lot of potential. He was a second-rounder, and he hasn't done anything to disprove um, his NHL capabilities. So I think you're looking at a guy that most likely is a, a second-liner and, and a pretty good one at that. Good size. And his Elite Prospects page says he's also known as Justin Allison, which is quite different than Wade. Certainly is. Maybe that's his middle name or his real first name. Who knows? Uh, next question, Dominic Cammy says, hey, hi. David Ference has been stupendously marvelous at Boston University this season. Is he going to translate into a successful NHL defenseman with the Nashville Predators? David Ference, one of the top scorers in Hockey East this year, and he is doing it from the blue line, which makes it even more impressive. I think he's going to be a, a pretty serviceable NHLer. He's gotten a lot bigger and stronger in college, which obviously is the huge benefit of going the NCAA route. With the Nashville Predators, they have such a luxury in their defense core because they've been so good at drafting and acquiring players over the years. So I think this bodes very well for David Ferentz where, again, if he spends a year in Milwaukee in the AHL, that's totally fine. You want him to get used to the pro game, particularly the schedule because, as we all know, the NCAA – you know, you're only playing about 35 games per season. And when you get to the pro ranks, all of a sudden that basically doubles. So you got to get used to playing, you know, during the week. You have to figure out, you know, living on your own where you got to cook for yourself and you got to get around more and you're on bus trips and you got to make sure you're getting your rest. There's so much that goes into that. So I think David Ferentz is the type of player where he has matured and he's developed so well with the Terriers. Now it's time for the next step. And he doesn't have to jump into a situation right away because obviously Nashville still has Roman Yossi and Matthias Ekholm and Ryan Ellis. And, you know, Ellis is probably the best comparable for Ferentz. Uh, I think that Ferentz can develop into a similar player because he's so good offensively and you know the key for him will be playing defense at the National Hockey League level and I think he can do it I think you know if you put him on national right now he'd probably be on the third pairing just because they have so many guys ahead of him but he could certainly play on a second pairing once he gets up to sort of peak performance if Nashville ever needed him to do so Uh, next question Sticking in the Boston area here, Jordan Peterson asks about uh, Jack Drury. He 
says, uh, Jack Drury has shown real potential with Harvard, but I didn't like him much at the World Junior Championship. Where do you see him fitting in the Carolina Hurricanes system in the next few years? So Jack Drury, a pretty interesting player, and, you know, fair enough, um, you know, the World Junior is not great for Team USA, uh, obviously. But I see Jack Drury fitting in as probably like a number three or number four center because he's got that great motor and he's got that great all-around game. I don't know if he has elite NHL offensive upside, but, you know, with the Carolina Hurricanes, they've got guys that can do that. Sebastian Ajo's not going anywhere. Tavo Teravine's not going anywhere. They've got players coming up that can provide offense. Jack Drury, he can be that shutdown guy. He can give you a lot of energy. And again, he's growing at Harvard. Great place to, you know, build yourself up, uh, get that man strength because, I mean, Harvard, you know, because they're an Ivy League school, they play even fewer games than some of the other teams in the NCAA. Their, their schedule starts later. So he's getting good development there. I wouldn't worry too much about the World Juniors. You know, it's a short tournament. You're looking at different roles. Guys are, are doing different things than they're used to, and then it doesn't always turn out the way you want. But I, I definitely think he has uh, a chance to be a very good bottom six NHLer for the Carolina Hurricanes. Speaking of NCAA, wrong sport, but uh, the, it sounds like a bunch of the NCAA basketball tournaments, like the Big Ten tournament and the SEC tournament, are all getting canceled. So, uh-huh. again, got to wonder hockey situation is going to end up being. It will, because we've already heard, you know, Harvard forfeited their quarterfinal series in the ECAC. Um, so, you know, they're done. I, I think I heard that Yale was considering the same thing. So the NCAA hockey is definitely going to be affected uh, by the coronavirus pandemic. At this point, I think it's just how much. Is there going to be a Frozen Four? Is it going to just be played in an empty arena in Detroit? What happens with these conference tournaments? It, it sounds like the ECAC is probably going to have to reseed. Um, you know, the, all the other ones are going on right now. Big Ten, NCHC, you know, all over the place. So, I mean, this is a story that obviously develops by the minute. So it'll be interesting to see what the final result is. And, and kind of just, just one last thing about non-NCAA things. So uh, it's expected that the NHL, well, the NHL will bank an announcement today about the rest of the season. And it's expected that the CHL and their member teams will follow suit with whatever happens. Is that really going to impact the draft? Or like, do, do scouts just really know what they want at this point? At this point, they pretty much know. I think the, the biggest loss for scouts this year is if the world under-18s are canceled at the highest level. And it probably will be. And it probably will be. You know, I was just talking to a European scout the other day. And, you know, we were talking about some Finnish kids who have potential, but there's some shaky parts of their game. They've had bad showings at previous tournaments this year. And he was saying, you know, this draft could be a bit of a head scratcher because that world under 18s, it's a really nice sort of finishing event for scouting where you can see where the kids are late in the season, how much they've developed, where are they right now. So without that, you're not flying blind but you're not getting the the total picture you were hoping for. As for, you know, uh, CHL games, I was at a Mississauga game the other day uh, talking to scouts, and they were saying that they pretty much know what the players are right now. Um, For players that are sort of coming on late, uh, for example, James Hardy, the left winger that plays for the Steelheads, um, they were getting in those viewings because he's had such a good second half. But I think... 
I think they've pretty much figured it out by now. You gasped, so I'm going to ask you what's going on. Frank Saravelli just said, Hearing as part of the NHL's due diligence process, teams have been asked to provide arena building availability through the end of July. Interesting. Okay, so it's going to be a it's going to be a big hot NHL summer, never ending. <laughs> never ending. Hey, but we love that because they're the hockey news, right? <laughs> we have to love it. <laughs> That's right. Um, back to the questions. New York Rangers '88 asks. Patrick Kodarenko was a name many people talked about before he signed with the Rangers. His numbers aren't anything special. What's his appeal? So uh, Patrick Kodarenko uh, from Michigan State signed with the Rangers as a free agent. You know, with Kodarenko, his numbers weren't eye-popping, but, you know, as I mentioned earlier with John Lethamon, this was a team that really kind of depended on their goaltending this year to have success. So Kodarenko was one of the offensive drivers on that team. He has skill. He's good on face-offs. Uh, not the fastest skater in the world, so he'll have to improve on that. What I would say is the, the appeal is that he's an asset. And again, maybe he just turns out to be a very good player for the Hartford Wolfpack of the AHL or a guy that you can bring up if you have some injuries and you can plug him into the lineup. There is skill there. Um, but this is one of the reasons that you have to sort of temper your expectations because, yes, there was a, probably a whole bunch of teams that wanted Patrick Kodorenko and they were all fighting each other for him. But also remember that these are essentially free assets. You didn't have to draft them, and you basically made up your mind right then and there that you wanted to offer them a contract. So you're not losing anything. You didn't have to trade for Patrick Kodorenko's rights. So it's it's a free prospect essentially that, that that's the general appeal and then specifically with Kodorenko it's a guy that can get you some points and win you some draws so there you go um and then the next question from Alex Hamilton among NCAA, NCAA players still playing are there any that you could see turning pro early like Alex Turcotte did in Los Angeles so I mean, a nice little list here. And, you know, since you mentioned Alex Turcotte, he, of course, played for the University of Wisconsin this season. He was a one-and-done. Let's just address the Badgers first and foremost. With Turcotte going, you know, we talked about Cole Caulfield on the uh, regular THN podcast this week. Cole Caulfield, another freshman with the Badgers, had a fantastic year. Will he sign with the Montreal Canadiens? That's sort of the million-dollar question. I think it's kind of 50-50 at this point. We'll see what happens because, you know, with Turcotte, he was already built pretty well, and Cole Caulfield, obviously a very small player. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, Keandre Miller, the New York Rangers' first-round pick, uh, you know, he had been at Wisconsin longer than the other two. I could certainly see him signing with the Rangers. Even though he didn't have a, a, a dominant World Juniors, there's so much talent there with Miller and if he kind of hears the siren song of the pro ranks I think he's the type of guy that he has the size and athleticism that he could play against men in the AHL pretty much whenever so Wisconsin it could be a, a pretty big summer for losses but you know you got to see the top end for a little bit so it was it was fun even though the Badgers turned out not to be very good um I'm going to go to some other players on other teams now, uh, just to move around the country. Uh, the first player I would look at is Scott Perunovich, the St. Louis Blues pick um, at the University of Minnesota Duluth. 
Perunovic has already won two national championships with the Bulldogs. You know, he was um, drafted late by the Blues in terms of he had already been passed over, but um, developed so well um, after that, you know, coming up through USHL, Cedar Rapids, and then going to the Bulldogs where he was an impact player right away. You know, hypothetically, he could return for a senior season, but it feels like there's not really anything left for him to accomplish. I mean, the Bulldogs could win the national championship again this year, if there is one. Um, but I could see Perunovic as a player that signs, and the Blues would obviously be happy to have him in their system. Um, another defenseman of note, Ian Mitchell uh, with the University of Denver Pioneers. Ian Mitchell, a Chicago Blackhawks pick. Um, there was the potential of Mitchell actually leaving this past summer and signing with the Blackhawks, but he decided to stay in Denver, continue to develop. He's had a fantastic season with the Pioneers, putting up great numbers from the back end. And again, there's a team that they could win a title, so it's understandable that he would want to go back and, and give it the old college try uh, one more time, pun intended. Um, but, you know, with, with eligibility still remaining, I could definitely see Mitchell signing with the Blackhawks this summer. Uh, the final name I'll mention is John Leonard from UMass, the San Jose Sharks pick. Uh, again, you know, a player who has been to an NCAA final. The Minutemen didn't win, but uh, they got there the, the year Kale McCarr was there. Leonard putting up big numbers for the Minutemen once again. And again, if you look at the San Jose Sharks right now, obviously they are in need of talent. Uh, they're not going to have their first rounder this year. That's going to Ottawa, uh, which kind of hurts. But Leonard, he's a shooter. He can get you offense. He can get you goals. He has some fantastic hands. And if you think about all the prospects that San Jose was hoping would make an impact this season, it didn't really happen. There was a big grouping of them. No one really distinguished themselves. So I think there is a lane for John Leonard to kind of fast track his way into the NHL should he have a, a very good summer and a very good camp. And again, if he has to play for the HL's Barracuda for a while before he graduates, that's fine. But I could definitely see John Leonard signing again as well. Uh, so we, we get asked a lot about the, the CHL and how, like, how much stock do you take in a, like a, an overage player going out there and putting up incredible numbers. Mm. When you look at the NCAA, do is that kind of the same situation with seniors that are unsigned or is that kind of like uh you know what there actually might be some still like some good potential there well it's a very good question and i think you have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis you know for me you look at players and say okay did they grow a bunch later on and uh you know for example drew o'connor that was just signed by the pittsburgh penguins as a free agent out of dartmouth not a senior, I know, but there's a player that grew like three inches in the past few years and still maintained the skill set he had. So all of a sudden, you're looking at a player where, you know, he wasn't highly touted a couple of years ago, but he has quickly developed into a player that put up numbers in a very hard conference. You know, that ECAC conference tends to have a lot of older players because you have the academic standards of those Ivy League schools like Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Cornell and Dartmouth. Um, so you have guys that sort of come in later and they stay longer because, hey, why wouldn't you want to have an Ivy League degree if you're not going to end up playing in the NHL? So I think Drew O'Connor is a good example of a player where um, he probably could have stayed in Dartmouth longer. And that's what scouts were telling me a couple of weeks ago 
because you would be getting a good education. Um, but if you have the Pittsburgh Penguins calling, then I can sort of understand uh, what happened there. Although he would have had to leave before he talked to the Penguins. So there was some guesswork there, I would assume, in Drew O'Connor. But uh, he's still kind of raw, so he'll get better. And um, sort of going back to your original question, if there's, if there's something like skating, for example, that a player needs to get better at, then I think you say, okay, well, as a senior, if he's all of a sudden putting up better numbers, if you can point to something like skating, then you say, okay, well, there was development there. If they were super skinny when they came came into college and now uh, they've got that man strength, then I think you say, okay, well, that's something that we knew they had to improve on and they accomplished that. If they're like 23, 24 years old and they're only putting up points in their senior season and they didn't have a big physical change, then I think you kind of question what the upside is. And the same goes for the CHL. If all of a sudden they're putting up 120 points and they, they had 40 the year before and there wasn't some big reason why, then you say, yeah, it's just a 20 year old who is dominating in a league that's got 16 year olds, a lot of 17 year olds, that sort of thing. So Case by case basis, I think there, um, you know, there are definitely a, a lot of ways to look at it, and you know, even a player like Jack Dugan, who uh, was passed over in the draft and then taken by Vegas, um, you know, he came out of a prep school where he was still developing his game uh, at Northwood, and then he goes to the USHL, lights it up, even though he was older than a typical USHLer. But then he goes to Providence College and continues to light it up. So with Dugan, it was just a matter of him sort of getting his game together, honing those raw skills, and then dominating at every level. And that's really what you want to see in a player. So, uh, One last thing, to the last question we'll do. It's going to put you a little bit on the spot, but Zachary Ewins, he's not going to be free agent. He's still eligible for the draft. Correct. Um, what do you like about him? Because he's a guy that I know he, he, he kind of fell off late in his OJHL career, didn't get drafted. But mm. I think based off of what I've seen, what people are saying, this is a guy that teams are going to definitely take a look at in the draft. Yes, and, you know, I was just talking to a scout the other day who really likes Zach Ewens. And, you know, I wonder, he had a wrist injury last year that probably cost him a spot at the World Junior A Challenge for uh, Canada East. I think he only got to scrimmage maybe in the last game, and they didn't really get a good look at him. Um, But you look at him, and he's really smart, and he moves really well. I think he'll probably be maybe a third-rounder, maybe a fourth-rounder this year because he's done so well at Merrimack in Hockey East this year. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think Zach Ewens is the type of player where you know he, he's not a he's not a big kid, but he is that sort of modern style NHL defenseman, and I think a team is going to snap him up. Uh, we actually have one more quick question that I wrote down I from apologize. from Robert Arnett. Um, odds Dylan Sandberg signs with the Winnipeg Jets before the draft. Uh, I think they're very good. Dylan Sandberg, uh, another player on that University of Minnesota Duluth defense corps, uh, big kid, big shot. You look at Winnipeg right now, they desperately need defensemen. And I think Dylan Sandberg is the type of guy that they're going to sign as soon as they can. And I'm looking very much forward to his NHL career because I think he's going to be a really fun guy to watch. And I think Winnipeg fans are really going to appreciate him. So there we are. We're done for the day. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsor, Christian Hockey. And this has been the Prospect Podcast NCAA Edition.